Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Today I'm bringing you another guest appearance. I was talking with Michael Bohannis in his live show, and we really got into how do you create content that generates those inbound leads. Really looking forward to bringing this to you. Let's get into it. And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Woo. Oh, just realized I don't have my fancy lights on. There we go. I cannot have poor lighting with the expert of video, right? <laughs> that is Stephen Pope. So Stephen, great to have you. Yeah, nice to be here. A nice mic, by the way. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's the one you recommend. Yeah, you got to have that one. It's the gold standard. <laughs> awesome. Nice to be here, man. Yeah, no, it's great to great to connect. Uh, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time, so thank you for uh, jumping on. First of all, I want to know what's the background of your background? Where do these two posters come from? Do they have any special meaning for you? What 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 are what are these posters about? We see them in all the videos. Yeah, so I mean, in reality, what it was is when I started my podcast, I uh, I happened to be in this really old house. The background that I had just wasn't what I wanted to uh, portray, and mm -hmm. um, so I started to think, okay, well, like who are the popular podcasting platforms or people? And I saw I remember Joe Rogan. He had the bricks, so I added the bricks, and they were a little plain. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then I was like, well, what could I add to it? And I was like, well, I like jazz. And then I was like, oh, and then, and then, um, and not only do I like jazz, but, um, but these are marketing posters. And so it kind of all, it all kind of like fit together. And so then I was mm -hmm. just like, so I just put them up there and then, and then I, I got a lot of like a uh, good reaction from it. Um, people were like, oh, I like the posters. That's cool. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of how it, it evolved. It was kind of intentional and unintentional at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely very memorable. And the, the, the brick wall is also very classic great look awesome cool. yeah i appreciate it cool so so i'm curious could you tell us a little bit about your background especially how you got started so i looked of course at your uh, history you had a very successful software agency that yeah. was effectively right yeah. uh, uh, a development agency and you sold that after a couple of years and then you went into marketing could yeah. you tell us a little bit about the story how that came about you sold it but why did you get into doing uh, marketing then yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool story. Um, so, you know, I grew the software agency. I was, I've, I've been an engineer my whole life, an entrepreneur, always building products, you know, whatever. So I built that agency. Uh, we were doing several million dollars a year. I was on Inc. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was on Inc. Magazine's fastest growing companies. And then I did sell it. And then I started my next company. And I, uh, it was at that point where I was like, I was a bit older now. Um, and. I had to, yeah, I had to make things happen. Right. Um, and so I really started to look around and I was like, wow, there's all this interesting marketing stuff that's going on with social media, content, video. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do this whole, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to build another business, but I'm going to do it with all of the most modern tools. And number one, I've always been afraid of like public speaking and doing video. And so I was like, and I'm going to conquer that fear in the process. Mm. And so I went out to start my next business and it was in the tech field again. Um, that's a whole other story about like why I decided to do that. But the, the interesting thing was, is that as I went out to start to build that business, I was getting really excited about all the marketing stuff because I didn't really realize that marketing was what it was. I was like, for most people, I think marketing is just like, you know, a fancy website, a logo of a video that's on your website. But I really started to realize, well, this is like an entrepreneurial tool. This is like, 
something that allows you to test a hypothesis. It allows you to build your product. It allows you to get new clients, build customers. And so I got excited. And so as I was trying to build my other company, I kept talking to all these other people and getting them excited about what they could be doing for their business. Mm -hmm. Totally was like not excited about what I was trying to build. What was it? It was like a, a, a like tech advice. I was trying to do like, instead of being like a tech agency, I was trying to be like a tech advisor. Mm -hmm. And I could have- so effectively, sorry, instead of done for you, you just would have been advising and consulting with people right. how they should kind of structure their software architecture and all of that. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. And like their teams and stuff. And I could have, mm -hmm. I'm sure I could have figured it out, but I didn't have the passion to push through all of the difficulties you have when you start a business. Right. So I had, kind of, I had kind of forgot how hard it is to start a business. Like, yeah. you know, cause you go through that early stage, right. And it's like, and then you have a successful business, then your worries start to go to different things. And, um, so when I started to hit those early, uh, challenges, I just didn't have the passion to push through. And so I was getting all these people excited about marketing. And so then I was just like, I started this little marketing mastermind and I brought like, I think like 10 or 15 people together and I was just kind of randomly giving them marketing tips and stuff every week. And, um, go ahead. Was that a paid, yeah, was it, that a paid marketing? Yeah, yeah it was, it was, mastermind? yeah, it was a paid marketing mastermind. So somehow I mm -hmm. got people in there, uh, and, uh, and you know, of course, like for some, for some people in the group, it worked really well for other people they're like, Hey, this wasn't really what I was interested in, but it was through that experience of, of pitching people, this, um, this mastermind, teaching them things, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't, that I can, that I continue to iterate on like, what is it that people really need? What do they want? And like, what is the path they need to take in order to implement these things successfully? And then that's kind of how I arrived at what I'm doing now. Um, and mm -hmm. so that's kind of the story behind it. You know, it's kind of, it was pretty organic and, uh, really just kind of, it was a mixture of like following what I was passionate about. I've always, I mean, even when I was working with tech company, it was, I was always working with the entrepreneurs, with the owners on helping mm -hmm. them build their business. So I, I knew I liked helping business like entrepreneurs. And so that's kind of like the evolution of it. Interesting. So when I'm thinking, okay, so you're running a $7 million a year agency. Why would you want to end that? That seems to be like quite a nice living that you're making there. Well, it was a $2.6 million, but, um, uh, so okay. yes, but, but regardless of that, oh, well, please. yeah, that's kind of a long story in itself as, as well. Um, but I, at the crux of it, what I would say is like, I got tired of helping people build technology. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like technology, but the crux of it really is I didn't really have passion for helping people build technology anymore. And that's, and then you can, I didn't really become aware of that really until I started to try to do it again, that I really yeah. kind of realized it, but that's, that's the crux of it. I just, I just, it's, it's hard and it's also competitive. Like it's one of those, mm -hmm. those marketplaces where, you know, I think you have to really niche down into technology right now to, to do that successfully. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's like, you're just a generic agency. And there's competition around the world for this kind of thing. Oh yeah. Definitely. Like, I mean, okay. so Good. that's, that's the crux of it. Were you able to, or thinking differently, the marketing tactics that, we, you, that you're now using, did you apply them already in the, in the software agency, in the development agency? Yeah, some of them. So, I mean, the, yep. the reason, the way I got clients was creating content, thought leadership content, 
So, you know, I, that's what I kind of, that's what I was able to do is like, when I looked back at the, at the, the, my previous company, I was really able to say, okay, so what was, what was it that allowed us to grow? And it was really thought leadership content And that, at that time it was blogging. So I would write blogs. I had several mm -hmm. blogs that went uh, viral. I would post them onto Hacker News. So I've been getting clients online since like 2006, right? So I know how to do it. Uh, and then of course, word of mouth, right? You do good work. And so then I started to think, so it was, inno and so it was, and it was, it was always me innovating. It was always me kind of deciding, oh, this is interesting. How can I make this better? And it, yeah. it, and what's interesting about that is like innovation is kind of an interesting thing because sometimes you're not truly innovating. It's not like you're, I'm not like, you know, SpaceX where I'm like going to Mars, but I am innovating in the sense that I'm bringing certain things from one industry to another, mixing them together, like taking two, two, taking two tools, putting them together to create something unique that nobody's seen before. And then also in the process, just being excited about what I'm doing. So bringing a certain energy to the conversation, right? So when I built that mastermind where I got 10 people together, the only thing that really brought them together was my energy. So I, yeah, and obviously I had a story that I had built a business to get before. And so that, that story was important. So the story I told you, I had to develop, I've developed that story over time. I haven't, it's not the first time I've told that story. So, yeah. um, so it's like creating content, thought leadership, content, innovating, showing excitement, being, uh, making people say, people have to look at you and say, wow, he's interested in this. This is pretty cool. You know, like, especially before you have real results to, to show people. Mm, absolutely. I always, I call it uh, tinkering as effectively you need to be a tinkerer and you need to have the passion for your industry, right? It's like, you can take courses, you can, you can use other people's tactics, but you will always stay in a very mediocre level. If you don't take the steering wheel yourself and really explore, okay, what could I do to improve the results here? S go places that no one ever has gone before. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Otherwise you will always remain in, in, in mediocrity if you don't tinker. And that just is a perfect example of that. And it's funny you say that, cause that's a word that people often describe me as they're like, oh, you're a tinkerer. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I guess everyone is successful in their own way. Like I, I want to try to like, but for me, I think that has been the, the secret sauce. It's just like having my own ideas, bringing ideas from other industries, mixing them together, combining ideas, being an innovator, sharing those thoughts, being excited about those thoughts and using that as fuel to build momentum around a product or your marketing and, uh, yeah. and then going from there. Absolutely. And I just saw this in one of your TikTok videos recently where you were, you were comparing two softwares. It was Airtable versus something else. Oh, Do you Notion. remember what that yeah, was? Yeah, Notion. Notion, yeah. exactly. Notion versus Airtable. And I'm like, okay, that is proper tinkering. If you're like thinking, okay, which of those tools can be better for my content workflow and how <laughs> yeah. I allocate those boxes and so on? Well, there we are. This is tinkering and you're really at the edges of, of your craft. Yeah, yeah. And then on that awesome. note, like the content creation, like workflow automation design, I feel like I am at the forefront of that particular industry. And so I think that's another interesting, interesting thing as well is like, is like most of our services do, do involve a few different things. So marketing strategy, content creation, doing video equipment. Um, it's, but where I'm able to really cut through the noise is with that stuff. 
So when you when you when people work with me, they get the whole thing. But when you're in the marketplace, you know, you have to have some angle that allows you to cut through the noise because there's nobody else talking about that stuff to the level I am than me, at least th that I've been able to find. Absolutely. And it's this tech, if I can call it tech infrastructure that allows you to, as you yourself say in a couple of videos that I've seen, produce more content than even big companies yeah. because of that efficiency that you have built with all those processes and workflows. Yeah, so exactly. no doubt you stand out in this. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I just know that like, like a lot of the barriers uh, for people to do content is just time and efficiency and the things that get in their way. Um, you know, like content is hard. And so like, you know, when you're walking, when you're, when you're walking somewhere and if you've got a rock in your shoe, it's like, you're not going to want to walk. So I look at content as like, I'm just trying to remove all those little rocks and, um, and then I'm testing some of these things out for myself, right? Because like there are times where I implement some of this technology and it gets in my way. Mm -hmm. Like it actually slows me down. And I, the, and like, if you see any of the, the common critiques of my content, like there, there'll be, com there'll be comments of people be like, oh, you like, you're just making this more complicated. And like, I don't agree with them, but there's, tr there's an element of truth to what they're saying. Like the technology can get in your way as well. So like even like in this automation group I have where people come in and they they get access to these these tools that I've built. Like the first thing I'm always saying to them is like do not just start using this stuff unless you're like some people come in they're not even creating content yet. So I'm like, well there's nothing to automate. Hmm. Or you're not consistent enough, so there's nothing to automate. So I even have some like earlier tools in there. It's like, hey, here's how you build out your content strategy. Here's how you build out your workflows because you don't need to you don't need anything fancy until you're actually creating something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the, I always think that the person best served by you is when you're already producing a lot of content and it feels like they're tearing at the seams, right? Where it's just not efficient anymore. There, there's so many rocks in the shoes, but they are already very proficient in content production, right? And this would be probably, I would, I would, I would assume that this would be the sweet spot for you because that's where you really shine, right? Bringing a little bit of structure and order into the chaos that is content production. Well, there's really two phases, right? So like there's the entering the content creation process and I work with those people to help them. Uh, number one, you gotta have a marketing strategy. You gotta have a content strategy. You gotta be able to create the content. And so it really, it's just really kind of two phases. So I work with people that are just starting out and building out their business and getting out into the world with content. And then for the people that already have a lot of content, that's kind of like, you know, so if you talk about a progression of services, you know, it's a content accelerator and then really helping you build out the content machine. So, mm -hmm. um, so, it's, so I work with both types. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, good. And where would you say is your, is your sweet spot? Are both of those equally important for you or do your clients skew more towards one of those two groups? Well, the interesting thing is most of my clients are at the, at the beginning stage, right? Okay. Um, and if, you know, for me, it's like, it, it it's interesting. Cause like I said, this, the same pe types of people that join the group, um, a lot of the times the people that see my stuff and see all the stuff I'm doing, they're not actually creating content yet. They're just like, it's just, it's interesting for them to see all of that other stuff. But when I get down in, into the, into the conversation with them, a lot of them aren't actually even creating content yet. So at the core yeah. of what I do. Like 
if you, if we, if we strip away all the video and content and, and technology and all of that kind of stuff that we need to do in a, in a modern world, what I really like to do is just work with entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I like, and so it just happens to be right now that I have a focus on video and content, but I, I've always just been good at like looking at entrepreneurs and, and seeing, seeing a vision for them of what they could be and helping them see that. And then also providing tools and resources to help them reach their maximum impact. And so like as a, as a long-term vision, I just see a world where people see what they can be and have the tools and resources to be that. And it just so happens to be right now, I'm focused on helping them do that from this kind of modern marketing perspective, which is getting on video and also being productive at it. So I just like to yeah. talk with entrepreneurs. Like if, if it wasn't this, it would just be some other thing that fit into that wider vision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, we definitely share, share that particular predilection for working with entrepreneurs, with business owners, because that this is, this is where a lot of growth happens, you know, as cliche as that sounds. And I was just talking to one of my clients, she onboarded recently, and she used to be kind of more thinking about going towards employees, right? Serving uh, corporate employees. And maybe this is my personal bias, but she tend, like, tends to agree with me. I'm thinking, wouldn't she be better, ser better off serving small business owners with her service that is applicable to both of those uh, groups? And effectively, one of her inbound clients that she got recently is a business owner, right? So we're kind of going that direction. And I feel it's always like a much better dynamic with business owners. So we definitely share that. Yeah. And, and that's like, you really have to be like conscious of like the buying, like how do these people buy things like corporations and employees and the way that stuff works, it's just a much different path. Right. So like, uh, like for instance, I, I, I definitely sometimes have bigger corporations that reach out to me around the automation and stuff. And sometimes it's not the CEO and it's like an employee and, um, the way they view and communicate value is just different. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah. so my pitch, it's just like, it, like, it's not, it doesn't, it's like, I want to talk to the business owner cause they like that we can vibe on these different things, but the employees are looking at it things that, like a different way. And, uh, yeah. so yeah, so targeting that and like being clear on that is like, is super important. Mm. But interesting because you do work with business owners. Would you still take on a bigger corporation if, if, if you felt that there was a fit? I do sometimes, but I, like, I'm pretty cautious about it because a lot of the mm. experiences haven't been like, as, uh, like the way I'd want them to go, um, or the yeah. way I feel is best for them. So like, I, like I had, a um. I did a, a TikTok and like a, a $5 billion company ended up hiring me and it, and, and this is, there's no judgment, but like, it didn't go, I, it didn't go well for them and from their perspective. And it didn't go well for me, from my perspective. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And they, and they could speak to their perspective and I could speak to my perspective, but, um, at the core of it, it's just like, it's like, like entrepreneurs and, you know, people that are running our types of businesses face certain issues and big, big major, like $5 billion uh, corporations is just like, it's just a different thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Totally different beast. Cool. So let's go into, could you share your, well, whether you have any overarching marketing slash client acquisition philosophy. So you are hundred percent inbound. Is that correct? You don't do any outbound. Correct. Yourself. Correct. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. So, what would you say is your special sauce? I think you already hinted at that with all those tools that people get attracted by, and then they come in and they need much more basic stuff. But what would you say is your unique selling proposition at SGP Labs? Well, I, I yeah, I mean, I guess the in terms of like capturing attention in the marketplace on social media, it does it does tend to be. Um, I mean, I, I, especially on TikTok, it is definitely the, the automation and the content stuff. But, um, I think also just like getting in the weeds with like giving people like tangible advice, getting real specific, I think is like a real, um, you know, it's like the secret sauce. It, it's, it's kind of interesting because there's kind of like two different things. I think the special sauce, I think is just understanding that content and social media, at least right this, at this moment is like, is how people are buying things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's just like creating the content in the first place and being consistent is the real secret, secret sauce, like just producing a lot of content and pushing it out there and genuinely doing it to, to help people. And, uh, so I think that's like the secret sauce that the unique selling proposition, uh, does tend to be at least it's just interesting though, that that's how you cut through, like there's different, there's different angles, the way you look at things. That's, that's what cuts through the noise and helps me stand out from everyone else. Um, but there's, there's just like, there's just like different angles to, to come at this, but you know, you, you, you obviously have to have a marketing strategy and a content strategy. And those two things obviously work together to, to help you build that inbound traffic. Okay. Uh, it's a broad term. Sometimes people think it's quite a nebulous term, the content strategy. Right, Could right, you share yeah. like. What does a content strategy need to contain in your opinion and what is yours? Yeah. So it needs to, it needs to contain a few different things. You have to have a, a team or a set of skills, right? And, uh, so, and this is something that, uh, I know we both follow, follow Chris Walker, but this is something that he talked about and it really helped me solidify the way I think about it, but you need it, you need a team or a set of skills <clears throat> and, and that, that team is, you know, you need a subject matter expert. You need someone that's able to actually uh, um, create the content, someone that can help create that content. You need somebody that can help do the post-production of that content, and you need someone that can distribute the content. So that's, that's the team. And then you also need a, um, you need a point of view. So like, what, like, how do you, like, what are you communicating that people care about that also aligns with your business results? And so those are, those are various topics that you're going to cover. Um, and then you need a, a content creation framework. So like we're doing a live here, so you've got a means of creating content on a regular basis. And like, there's so many ways of doing this now that, that like most people like, and, and I know you mentioned this before, but like most people just think of, oh, I got to start a podcast and, uh, but there's so many different ways of just all you're looking for is like, how can I creatively get myself on camera? where I'm able to just create, like I'm able to demonstrate that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, so you need that. And then you need that post-production framework. How do you take that longer form content, break it up and make it palatable for all the different uh, social media platforms, whether that's LinkedIn or TikTok or YouTube or whatever platform you're on. Um, and then how do you, um, how do you distribute it? So every, every platform is a little bit different. You have to know that. You have to know the, the intricacies of that platform so you can perform well there. And then you need to be able to like gather insights when you're publishing this content. Mm -hmm. So that's what I okay. think of when I think of a content strategy is like those melding those things together 
so that it's like a cohesive thing that actually generates uh, revenue. And the one thing that I, uh, the one part, the one team member, I knew I was missing one, but the one team member that I missed was like the architect who's like, who's like designing this, this whole thing and like putting all the pieces together so that it actually runs and like gets you the business results that you want. And so like, if you're, if you're like a solopreneur, you're going to be doing all four of those things. You're going to be the subject matter expert. You're going to be the architect. You're going to be the post, you're going to be the, the video editor and you're going to be the distributor. And, and so the secret sauce for you at that stage is just lim like reducing everything that you're doing so that it's something that you can actually do. And then knowing the tools to make it easy. And then the bigger yeah. your company gets, the more you can start to distribute that stuff out there. Exactly. And the, the, the goal is of course, that you remain firmly in the seat of actually coming up with the, with the content because you are the brain of the business, right? I'm sure that. This is something that Chris Walker would very much agree with. He still does, of course, his lives. He does the. He still writes his content. That needs his his unique uh, perspective. But then everything else, and this is the process that everything else gets slowly chiseled away and given to someone else. Right. Yeah. So that the architecture is managed by someone. So that the 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 distribution is handled by someone who is an expert. This is not something that just the you know virtual assistant can do. Probably. Right. But it's like, these are slowly the stuff that you just take away. Like Michelangelo said, you just yeah. create a sculpture that by just chiseling away, that doesn't build any, everything away that doesn't belong there. Exactly. So that only the, 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 the perfect remaining piece. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, um, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, and, and I think that's important too, because too, too often people are just trying to get it off their plate. Right. Uh, because they have a bunch of other things that they've decided were important. And instead of kind of realigning the whole thing, right? Like if you're just going to tack this content thing onto the side, like this weird, like little thing, like yeah. you're always going to be like, how do I get that back off of my plate? As opposed to yeah, yeah. understanding that like, Hey, like how things work now is different. So I'm going to, I'm going to restructure everything that I'm doing around this. I'm going to do really good at this. And, um, and it's, I think it's just funny too, because like all the really big people out there that we see winning are doing this, right? I mean, that, yeah. that, there's obviously other people that have built successful businesses in the past and they, they have a different channel and, and who's like, if it's working for you, fine. But, um, you know, so it's like, that was what I saw. I was just like, Hey, you know, I started my, my next business. I was like, as people introduced me to Gary Vee and I was just like seeing what he was doing. I was like. Yeah, he seems legit. He seems like he knows what he's doing. I tr I trust that guy. He doesn't seem like he's pulling my chain. He seems like he has my best interest at heart. I started seeing what Chris Walker was doing. I was like, he seems genuine. He seems like he knows what he's doing. And so I, I just made the mental leap. I was like, I don't know exactly how to do all this yet, but mm -hmm. I see that it works clearly. And so then I just made the leap and said, I'm going to do it. And so I just started figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so you are, and one of my perceptions of you was that you are the guy who just churns out an insane amount of content. <laughs> that was kind of like my, you were of course for me, two things. Number one, you're the TikTok guy on LinkedIn <laughs> because you're the most, you're the you're consistently talking about TikTok, what a great opportunity it is. And you're the guy who just churns out a lot of content and has the systems behind him. So that's kind of from a personal brand point of view. This is how I perceived you. Yeah. And this is why, how I always would refer people to you whenever I heard, you know, TikTok, I just tagged you because I know that you're the guy for that. 
Now, I have a question in this regard. Like, how, uh, how much do we need to master one social network before we move on to the next one? Again, I'm thinking about what Chris Walker regularly repeats on his podcast, is that he effectively has mastered LinkedIn. He says that arguably he's one of the best people in the world how to monetize LinkedIn. And having an agency built within two and a half years to, to 24 or so million dollars is pretty much you. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I, I tell people that all the time. I said, I said, you don't need a LinkedIn coach. You just need to go to his feed, yeah. just watch his activity for a few days and just kind of like mimic what he does. And that's probably like the best LinkedIn coach that you could, uh, that you could. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But he also says that you sort of have to have one area mastered before you move on to the next one. Would you agree with that? Do you think we should first aim to have some form of mastery of one platform before we move on to the next one? At least that was always in my mind. I'm asking pretty selfishly here. It's always in my mind that I feel, yes, I'm getting business from LinkedIn, but it could be more. So I wonder if I should not focus on that, keep building my network, keep you know, working with people there before actually making the leap and going to TikTok. What's your, what's your take on that? Yeah. So I do think that's true. You know, like I've noticed that myself. So, but there's a couple of different elements to it as well. Like, um, but like mastering a channel and knowing how it works and using it effectively is important. The one thing that I would point out though, is like, if you, if you watch the way, um, Chris Walker does it, like, like, I mean, he's out there, he's really networking a lot, you know, like going out there, interacting with, uh, number one, people he agrees with and people he doesn't agree with. So he's not playing like a lot of the games that a lot of other people do, which is just kind of engaging with each other, doing the engagement pod thing. So I do think that that's important to just master one channel. The, the trick to that is, is like also picking the channel that you're going to be able to do that effectively on. Like, so like there's a certain game you got to play on LinkedIn, a game, I guess. Um, <laughs> and so if you don't enjoy that, if you can't do that, then it's going to be hard for you to master it that way, right? Um, so I do think I do think that's that's important. One of the reasons why I really started to focus uh, on TikTok and then also YouTube is because I enjoy doing video. I think it's a creative space. I'm also dyslexic, so for me to process all of the the text based content that's there, mm -hmm. it's not really enjoyable for me. And um, so. Yes, I, I do think it's important to kind of learn how to use a platform well. I guess the the trick just becomes is like when when it, like wh how do you know when you've mastered it? Is, yeah, that's is the, is the that's the thing. Yeah, is I guess is the trick. And do, so, what would your answer be? Like, what what is mastery of one one uh, platform? I mean, I guess it's like getting you the business results that you want. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, ultimately, like if you're on there and you're doing all this work and nothing's happening, then it's not working, I guess. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you can't really beat around the bush. Yeah, sure. But nothing's working is, is a sliding scale, of course. Right. So if somebody has, let's say they get one or two clients inbound on LinkedIn, right. Their goal is to build a million dollar agency and this is what they have. Right. Uh, would you say, would you say that they should try to branch out into something like TikTok or or keep playing the LinkedIn game. What would your advice be? If if you're successfully getting one or two clients 
off of LinkedIn and it's building your business, I mean, I would just keep doubling down there. Mm -hmm. You know, because especially yeah. for an agency, right? Because an agency is going to continue to have monthly recurring revenue. Yeah. So as you add these clients on, it's going to continue to increase your revenue. Um, so, I mean, it, it's like, so like if you have the time to, to, you know, to put into LinkedIn and you're doing everything that you can and you feel like you've hit a limit, then that's probably the time where you can branch out and, and do uh, TikTok. It also depends on like mm -hmm. your, you know, like how, how fast you need results, you know, like, mm -hmm. or, or, or can you take a little bit of time and build, build some brand and learn some skills and, um, yeah, I mean, I guess in general, like it's just the, the best, the best advice for any entrepreneur on probably on most things, not even just social media. It's just like focus on so, like focus on one thing and get really good at it. Yeah. Your skills, exactly. where you're doing your marketing, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That applies to, especially most people think this only applies to their core strategy, their product, right? They shouldn't be branching out into different product areas, but it also applies to the marketing channel. I think this is where many people get it wrong, including myself many uh, years ago, where I tried to just branch out into far too many different avenues. I was trying to do like Facebook groups and doing Facebook DMs and all of that, right? And yeah, it's hard. It's when you realize, yeah, it's hard. It's distracting because the, the, the trick is, is like setting up your social media profile and just like saying you're going to do something is kind of like the easy part. Then you got to actually go in and do all the work, right? And then yeah. that's like, you got to meet people, you got to create the content, you got to like figure out how the platform works. And that's where most people stumble, right? They're like, like when, um, and I think this, this is where it does come down to personality and like where you really will succeed. But, you know, it's like, I have had clients where it's just like, they don't want to do it. They don't want to go do networking, right? And they like, but there's, but it's also partly just because they just don't, you know, when they, when they go to like interact on content, they're just like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to, and largely I think that's just because they haven't really, they haven't really been introduced to enough people that, that they're interested in. Right. So it's like, they just do this. And this is where I think learning to go deeper is important. It's like, if you just do, if you, on a surface level, if you just start to meet a few people, you're not going to have enough volume of people to be interested in what you know, you're going to show up to LinkedIn every day and you're going to be like, man, I hate, I always see John's content and it annoys me. I don't want to see it anymore. So you got to mm -hmm. find, you got to find all these other people that are actually in your lane or just, or either in your lane. So you're interested in interacting with them and sharing and adding to the conversation, or you're finding enough people that you just totally disagree with that you can go into their stuff and say, this is, this is crap. This is not real. This is, and then you can have that contrasting point of view, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I very often struggle with trying to get people excited about that. Yeah. When, when you have somebody, I think it's at some level, it's a little bit of you either have it or you don't, right? You need to really be, be interested and keen and you want to share something. You have a mission, you have a narrative, you right. need to, and then you just need help from somebody like yourself or me, where you kind of get that into a shape that you know, is like professional and looks good and all of that. Right. But, but getting someone who kind of at their core feels it's a chore, it's never going to work. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah. I mean, like you have to have a, like a certain purpose behind what you're doing. Right. So if you're just a, yeah. if you're just a practitioner of some thing, and this is no judgment, but like, if you're just a practitioner of something, you're good at doing something, you like to do it for people. 
but it's not a part of your, like your mission and purpose in life. It's hard to build a brand with that, with that. It's hard to yeah. be excited. It's like, what, what are you going out there every day to share this for? Like, so it, like when, mm. when we first started talking, I talked, I started talking about like my vision and purpose for a better world. And, uh, I look at that each day and like, if I don't want to do something every day and that happens to all of us, then, um, you can look at that. It's like, why am I doing this again? So if you don't have that something to tap into mm -hmm. and then, and I think that's what somewhat sometimes like would differentiates like a, a business owner from an entrepreneur is, is sometimes that purpose as opposed to just being, I'm a business owner, a practitioner. I want to make some money versus I've got this purpose that I'm trying to, to try to this vision that I'm trying to fulfill. Yes, that's so true. And I have not seen this crystallized as well and formulated as well. It's the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur because a business owner effectively, want, not that there's anything wrong with wanting to make money, but this is usually very often their main purpose. And they might be interested and invested in their craft, right? but, but it's not something that they are evangelizing, that they want to change the world into sort of so there has to be some sort of like a bit of a missionary zeal yeah i think so and and you can yeah. see this in certain types of industries um where they're uh yeah i i think so and and um it's yeah i mean it's vastly important the the, the your purpose and your vision of what how you're gonna like make an impact on the world and how you're gonna play some role into some future state of the world is uh is vital i think to really you know because like even like marketing advice and it's like, oh, you got to know your customers and this and that. And like, you got to create video. I mean, it can get a little bit kind of boring. And so it's just like, why are you doing all this? Why are you spending all this time? Mm. Absolutely. So you are active. I, if I got that or everything right, is you're active on LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, and you have a podcast. Is that right? You don't do other channels. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I do post to yeah. uh, Instagram as well. Um, okay. Par partly just like, I'm not going and spending much time there, but I'm, I do these things just to kind of build out my systems and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, so I have a, a podcast. I don't, I don't promote my podcast a whole lot either. Um, but I do have that channel just really just to, again, to keep my systems in, in, in place for people that, that mm -hmm. are interested in that. Um, but yeah, it's YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn. Those are really my, my main focuses. Yeah, and I have a because and I have a different reason for each of them. Tell me, what are the different reasons? Yeah, so so YouTube is my long term strategy. Like I, I there was a, a time where I I thought YouTube was impossible to grow on, and then um, I was posting content there, started posting some shorts there, and then my channel just started to grow. I was like, well, that's interesting. It's like maybe I maybe I sold myself short. I I think I was telling people I wasn't actively growing on YouTube so that when they went there to watch one of my videos, they, uh, when they looked at how few subscribers I had, I didn't have to feel like bad. <laughs> so I would just tell people, well, I, I'm just putting videos there for people to watch. I'm not trying to grow it. But then when I started to see it grow, I was like, whoa, I was like, okay, if I put some energy into this, so YouTube is my long-term strategy. Like, I think that's where you build the, that's where you build a lot of recognition authority, uh, mm -hmm. that doesn't exist on LinkedIn or TikTok if you stop posting on, on TikTok or LinkedIn. When you stop posting, you basically kind of disappear, right? Absolutely. So that's the issue. It's just perfunctory. And, and, and YouTube serves as a long-term library, right? People will look you up 
and I just I go to I go to YouTube to check out your videos just to see what you're what you're about. I would probably not do that very much on LinkedIn or TikTok because it's such a oh he hasn't posted in a couple of uh, months, then you're kind of off the radar. Right. Plus, if you start to use LinkedIn or YouTube properly, it will start to you will start to build inbound traffic from the 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 people. So it's a it's a you know it's an intent based platform. So people go there to learn, and so if you play the game there, if you if you structure your titles correctly, if you create the right thumbnails, if you're, you know, you're really kind of building out content that the platform wants, it will start to send you traffic. So yeah. that's my long-term thing. Uh, TikTok, I just found is just an easy place for me. It's, um, it, you know, like when you, when you look at LinkedIn and you see all the people like Chris Walker or these other big people on there, part of their advantage is that they got started early. And I saw that opportunity on TikTok. I was like, Hey, you know, it's like a, I was sitting there one Christmas, I was flipping through videos. I was like, if I'm here, there's other people like me. And I made that leap mm -hmm. as, as quickly as that. And so I started creating videos there and I get you, there's a lot more opportunity for organic reach going viral, that kind of thing. And it also pairs well with YouTube. And so those two things structure, um, structure uh, well together. And then LinkedIn is just something that I've, that was the first platform that I ever used. And so, um, yeah. That's, that's gonna, like, that's why I'm there. You, you don't abandon the mothership. Exactly. <laughs> um, then, so do you have attribution going? Like, do you know, like your, do you have a, like a revenue pie chart where you'd say, okay, this amount comes from LinkedIn, this amount from TikTok and all of that? Yeah. So, I mean, I just, just, I just have a little form when you fill out, um, when you fill out, like book, when you book a call with me, I just ask you like, where'd you hear about me? And, and most of them are coming from TikTok. Oh, really? So would you say more than 50% of your current business comes from TikTok? Yep. Oh, wow. Interesting. And that, so that I saw that on TikTok, you have by far more reach. You have like 21,000 followers. Every video gets like 50, if not more likes. Several of them, I saw one that had like 13,000 likes, I believe, or was that views? I don't remember. Well, there's, a, a, com there's a combination of all of that stuff. So yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I have 25,000 followers. And, um, that's consistently growing that. And yeah, it's mm -hmm. like, you, like, and especially like you start to learn what videos will cut through the no noise for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I just have, and I have fun on it. Like that's, yeah. I think that's kind of key. Like I can be kind of fun and goofy. I, I produce yeah. different types of videos and push them out there. I'm experimenting. So for me, it's just like, like I said, like LinkedIn is harder for me because like the text and the. All, absorbing all that, it's very distracting. Whereas like TikTok, they just have a lot more fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Good. And do you do your work on, uh, with your clients on a done for you basis or do you just consult with them? Do you? It's mostly with, done, done yeah, with you. Problem. So it's done with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So helping them work through their marketing strategy, their content strategy, helping them get on video, helping them mm -hmm. be productive when they, you know, that's the systems and the processes. And then it's actually mm -hmm. helping them make an impact. So most of that is done through, done through coaching. And obviously I'm working with you on some of those things because, you know, people need help on the strategy and the plan. And like, you know, anytime you get on video, there's a, a, a wide variety of blockers that people hit. You know, I don't know what to say. I'm afraid of video. I'm this or that. So like, there's the, just one-on-one -on -one coaching that helps you get through those different moments. Um, mm -hmm. and then like, once you get on the social platform, you're like, I don't know what to do. And say, like, well, let's, let's get it. Let's dig in there. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 
So going back to your total content production, could you give us a bird's eye view of how much do you actually produce? Yeah, just give us give us the lay of the land. How much content do you produce? And then how do you divvy it up among the different uh, platforms, the different social networks that you're on? Yeah, so I usually, I do a live show every week. And that's usually, I kind of perform that one as like a, as if it is a YouTube video. So I'm getting more and more honed in on trying to do my live as if it was a, a structured YouTube video. So I have that, that goes to uh, YouTube. I also record a pre-recorded YouTube video. So I do two YouTube videos a, a week. And mm -hmm. then um, I'm also, I, I, I do lives like this. And yep. um, I actually record this off to the side. So there's a, there's, I'm recording this at the same time. I'm pulling in your audio, I'm pulling in my audio, and I'm also recording this and I can take that and splice it up. And then, um, that's the, that's the core of it. Right. And then I also like with the TikToks, I'll do individual TikToks where I'm just looking at the screen and those, those tend to do pretty well on, on TikTok. The repurposed stuff can do, can do well as well, but like talking into the screen and doing something specific. So that, that's the core of it. I, I also do have a, a recorded community event that I do once a week and, um, I'm starting to figure out how I, I haven't kind of mastered this yet, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I, how will I turn that into content as well? So it's, it's two YouTube videos a week. One of them's live. I do podcasting and I record that as well. And then I make individual videos, but that's, that's the core of it. But that's not much. It doesn't sound like a huge amount. Not that this is bad, but right, right. it feels like your output is so prolific, but this, this is not a huge amount of work because I always get this very often from clients like, oh, I don't have time to produce that much content. Yeah, but it's just what you just said is not all that much. How much do you need to prepare for your YouTube videos? Like a couple of hours or do you just go al fresco? Just it, de it depends whatever a little bit on what I'm talking about. So if I'm, and I tend to try to go towards the things, and this is where you have to learn how to get out of your own way, right? So I try to pick the topics that I'm passionate about, that I can talk off the top of my head. Then I have to prepare a lot less. I did one. Mm -hmm. I did one uh, last week where I was just like doing basic marketing strategy and I did it because it's so important, right? Like, like your marketing strategy is really important, but it, it, it doesn't necessarily wake me up every day to talk about just who your target market is. What are you offering? Where are you doing it? Like, why are you different? Um, so that one took me longer. Um, uh, but that, you know, I, I probably spent like 30 minutes, 40 minutes coming up with an outline. And then I, I recorded 40 minutes. Cause I just kept stumbling and f messing up and kind of re and then your video editor can come in there and clean it all up. So that, that's mm -hmm. a, that's a secret that people don't like, there's certain things that people just don't understand. Like you don't have to do these things in one take and all these different things. So anyways, of course, uh, but if it's like, if it's something passionate, like I'm going to do one on Thursday, I'm not too worried about it. I'll probably spend 30 minutes thinking about it. I'll just pull up the tabs I want to cover. I'll go live. And one thing I like about going live is that it puts the pressure on you to perf yeah. to perform yes and i think there's no better way to be to learn sorry for the interruption but like, it's no better way to learn to actually speak off the top of your head if you force yourself to go live right and with all the imperfections gradually you're going to become better i had a i had a phase in january february where i was doing a weekly no so a daily live for about two weeks nice and it even felt like in those two weeks, always talking off the top of my head about some subjects. Sometimes I prepared a bit, sometimes not. But I already felt like how in those two weeks I got better at 
speaking, preventing myself from doing um, um, and so on. Yeah. And that was a great exercise. So I 100% agree. Yeah. And part of my whole mission really is like, I like it. That's always been hard for me getting on video. You look at my first LinkedIn video, I was like scared out of my mind. And yeah, and I've, I was public speaking, all those things, just like terif really terrified of doing those things. And, um, and that, that's what I do like about the lives. Number one, you got to show up. So part of your content strategy is coming up with a repeatable event that you're accountable for, right? If you could just decide, you know what? I'm not feeling it this week. Your content, you, like your everything's going to suffer because there's, there's so many little, there's like the momentum and all these things, they work, they work hand in hand. You, you, you need to get better at these things. You need to interact mm. with people. You need to learn what they want. And so that consistency and the accountability of going live with in front of people, whether they're watching you or not, is just something that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I had, um, that's <laughs> a little bit of vulnerability here. I tried back in early 2021 to, to do uh, my version of the Chris Walker demand gen live thing. We just tried to get people on a call and answer, answer their questions. Couldn't get enough people. I just I didn't have, you have 20 people, I believe, regularly on your Q&A calls. How did you do that? Is well, it simply because you already had an audience and then like with that size, it was simply easier to get enough people on it? Or is there some special magic that you, did you do? Well, I, I don't always have that many people. Um, mm -hmm. I've had people, I've had no people show up or one mm -hmm. or two people. Um, yeah. So like, I, I think what, what, with some of that stuff, it's just like, it's like, it's like you're, it's kind of, it's a, it's a lot to expect that you're just going to like put out a social media post and say, I'm holding an event tonight and everybody shows up. I think, um, I think that can happen, but I think, I think part of what really allows some of those things to, to, uh, to formulate is like, is really having more of a commitment to making it happen. Right. So like, yeah. And, and being okay with nobody showing up yeah, and learning from that and being like, okay, why didn't anybody show up? Well, maybe it's like they're not interested in the topic or they don't believe me or I don't have the authority or I didn't put in enough effort in promoting it. So I think with that kind of thing, it's like, it just, again, it's just going to come down to like a commitment to making this happen and like yep. figuring it out and like, because it's just like, it's just different. And like, he's talking to a different group of people as well. You know, like mm. um, we're talking to business owners He's like, I, I think most of the people that come to his event are, um, they're just like marketing professionals. Absolutely. In, yeah, employees. In, in these tech companies, right? So it's a, mm -hmm. like the, the dynamics of all these different things are important to keep in mind. And um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I spoke to a great guy last week on my live, Charlie Morgan, and he mentioned that, and I think this is a good lesson to take away and one I have not heeded when I did these things is that purely focus on the inputs, right? Just do it, do it as well as you can. And yes, do as you just said, do ask yourself why people didn't come and don't just ask yourself, ask them. Ask people who you know that they saw your post announcing it, for example, and then ask them purely from a, hey, I'm just curious about your thought process. Is this not interesting to you? Why, why aren't you interested in showing up? Not that I'm upset with you, but yeah. 
just curious, what would make you join? Yeah, right? exactly. What would be an attractive what would be an attractive proposition for me to put out that you actually would join? Right, exactly. Right? Don't be don't be afraid for that to to get that kind of feedback. I agree. Yeah, and and also like if you think about it, like like asking some uh, like getting somebody to show up to a weekly event. I mean, that's that's not going to be easy. Like, yeah, to have somebody coming up over and over. And w w what I think is cool about this is that a lot of us start podcasts or do these events or create videos for ourselves. Right. And so it's yep. no wonder that nobody's coming. Right. Cause it has to be, oh, that you, you, did that. you know what I mean? It has to be, it ultimately has to be for them. And so I think that's the trick is like, so when people start podcasts, I know you brought this up. It's like, uh, like a lot of times people create these podcasts to get business. Like they just want content and they, they, they think it's going to grow their business. And then they wonder why it doesn't grow. Right. And so when you, when we, we were talking earlier about like, why did I suggest that people might not create interview style podcasts? And cause my whole thing is like, Hey, it's going to be hard for you to grow a podcast. If you're not out there creating this content for other people, if you're, we go back to that purpose, right? So like people aren't going to just like, if you're, if, if you're in, if your intent for your podcast is to grow your business and to create content for yourself, intrinsically, nobody, I don't know if that's the right word to use. People are not going to, it's not going to have a, a, an attractive force to it. Right. So my, Absolutely. so I was just telling people, Hey, if you, if all you want is content, then starting an interview style podcast where you're not doing as much of the talking and you don't actually have a passion to have an interview style podcast, it's not going to work for you. So like if, if you have a, if you have a mission and a vision and you want to be the next Joe Rogan and, and that's the thing, go for it, do that interview, go. Like you can, anybody that wants to do that, you can make it work. I'm talking to the people that want content, want a way to you know, get on camera a lot. I was like, if you want that, there's better ways of going about it that I think, um, you know, that, that people could take advantage of. Absolutely. And the Q and A style podcast, whatever you want to have it as LinkedIn lives as a podcast, but that is so key because, and this is the probably the one main thing that I've learned over the last couple of months and years is that he who has a strong narrative wins. Like for me, again, we're mentioning him in quite a lot, but Chris Walker is the ultimate king of narrative. Sure. He says that mark B2B marketing is being done wrong and he has the right way and he's leading the way and people are following him under his flag. Right. That is, and he has so many ways how he slices and dices it. I sometimes wonder like, what on earth is he going to be talking about today? Because it seems like everything has been said, but he still finds another angle on this. Well, and that is if you have a strong narrative. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, that's why you have to put yourself in situations where you can talk about it from different angles. Because like, if, yeah. if people are asking you questions, that, that will give you the opportunity. But if you're on your own trying to produce this stuff and you're sitting in your room and you're like, okay, I got to talk about why B2B marketing has been done wrong. Like if you... If, mm -hmm. That's why I think he puts himself in those positions is because he knows even for himself that if he didn't, he probably wouldn't have all those different angles. Like the way you're asking me questions is giving me a different way of responding to you. So when I create, yeah. con when I create content from this, it's going to have a slightly different feel to it, different energy that I wouldn't be able to produce if I only sat down and tried to record these videos on my own. Um, so I, I think that's a, I think that's an important insight is, and, and no, no, there's two insights to that is number one, put yourself into positions where you can come up with all those different angles by 
making sure that you're talking to different people and they're asking you slightly different questions. And number two, um, I, what was my, I don't remember what my number two was going to be, but uh, yeah, it's like, if I, if I, if it pops back in, I'll, I'll bring it back. But yeah, you got to find ways of like keeping it fresh. Oh, I know what it was going to be. It's like, if you see some of the people that are the most successful, they are talking about the same things over and over. Gary Vee, yes. he talks about the same 15 or 20 things, right? And, um, absolutely. So like, absolutely. if you want to be, and that, that's a, like, this is getting really micro, but this is why I tell people not to be involved in any of those engagement pods on LinkedIn and where people are, are engaging with each other. If, mm. if you've ever heard of them, like, it's just like where there's essentially an agreement to chat with you, to like, and support each other's content. Those are dangerous because you're, you're, you're feeding your brain with people that aren't even in your industry and it's going to keep, it's going to keep you from having that pure vision and that, that mission. It's absolutely terrible. Engagement pods are so bad because you are, you are prevented from learning about what your target audience really cares about yeah. because all of the useful nuggets are going to get drowned out by the, you know, the sort of, how would I call it? Like paid sycophants, not paid really, but like people who just want to, you know, scratch your back because you know that they know that you will scratch theirs. So engagement pods are absolutely toxic, I think, for really knowing your audience. Yeah, and I, when I first got onto LinkedIn, I, I actually got somebody, I got somebody's help. And uh, one of the first things that they told you to do was do that. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know any better, and I did. And uh, mm -hmm. I hated LinkedIn. I hated it until <laughs> I started realizing like why. I was like, because it's like I'm... This is fake. This is like not real. This is fake positivity. It's the yeah. fake positivity of yeah, great post. You know, it's awful. It's yeah. it's horrendous. You if you if you're gonna you actually go ahead. If you actually do it well, you will develop an organic pod. This is what I feel like when I'm that I have right now. Like in January or February, my content started to take off quite nicely. That I get like several thousand views and you know. 30, 40 plus comments on every post. And that is because I sort of entered a bit of like a tribe relationship with some of my followers where, yes, I go to their content. That is true. But I do it because I genuinely enjoy and like their points of view. Right. That is it. And that's once you can get like a, a tribe going like this, where you create an organic pod where you do support each other, but it is genuine. So you have really something interesting to say in the comments. That's a completely different story rather than those, I scratch yours, you scratch mine. I agree, but still have the, um, still be careful, <clears throat> be careful still, um, that it doesn't become this relate, this reciprocal, um, like promise, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I, I agree with you, like make friends, support each other, but build a real tribe around that. Uh, you can still get, I still see situations where people are kind of in pseudo um, engagement pods. And, and again, it's mm -hmm. no judgment for me. I'm just like, unless you're like one of those people that has like a pure vision and you don't get distracted by things, just, just make sure that like, that you're not getting into a situation where you feel compelled to support or comment on, on any given piece of content. Um, and you're doing it for pure intent, good, good reasons. And I think mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's, if, if you have that and then whatever you do, uh, will will be okay. I, that's exactly right. And, and, and you're right that sometimes you can get 
seduced into thinking that your content is landing, even if the same people engage with it who already know exactly what you do, they will very unlikely to ever become clients. But I think then it's quite likely or possible to delude yourself that this engagement is worth a lot. Right. I don't know if I'm expressing myself correctly, but it's it's easy. It's, I'm sort of echoing what you're saying, right? There's a yeah. little bit of a risk there, even with the sort of natural part where you actually like each other as opposed to the traditional engagement parts. Yeah. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah, exactly. That it's just like it's just like be careful. Just mm. or 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 instead of actually instead of being careful, just show up with purpose every day and yeah. and truly trying to make an impact and not getting and just making sure that if you feel like you're if you're in some sort of reciprocal kind of relationship, your mind I can already tell you that something's off there. Something's you're getting pulled off the wrong way. And like, mm. you're there to serve a group of people. Make sure you're serving that group and making an impact yeah. to them. And then that's the only yeah, thing yeah. you're really focused on. Awesome. Stephen, it was a blast having you. Thank you so much. Where should people go if they want to, if they want to know more about you? Should they go to TikTok, YouTube? Where should they start? Well, if you want to see like all my skills, my goofiness and everything all in one place, like TikTok's a good place to see that you get the, the short thing. So. But really, like if you go to if you go to TikTok, YouTube, or LinkedIn and you type in Stephen with the PH G Pope, I will pop up. If you do the same thing at Google, I'll pop up. Or you can go to my website, sgplabs.com, and uh, you can book a call with me there and we can have a little quick intro chat and, and uh, introduce each other, introduce ourselves to each other. And uh, yeah, so that's probably the best way. Awesome. Yeah, this is great cool, talking man. to you. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so, uh, great talking to you as well. And I'd love to kind of collaborate. Uh, again, maybe have you on one of my expert panels. We'll figure that out. So I appreciate you bringing me mm -hmm. on here. It's a real honor to have you reach out to me, man. Love it. Thank you so much, Pope. Stephen. Right. It was great, great having you. Bye-bye. Thank you. See ya.